Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Shout the Oval podcast. Just to introduce myself, my name is Matthew Brown and I'm a Glenthorne supporter who writes for the Glenthorne Gazette. To explain the concept of this podcast, every home game I'm going to be interviewing someone Glenthorne related. That could be a current player, an ex-player, a woman's player or maybe a coach or a volunteer. I'll be discussing with them all things Glenthorne, their link to the club, maybe going back to them growing up and right through to the very present day. The whole idea is what you read in the Gazette comes from this podcast. Obviously, we have a limit on the number of words that can be published in the Gazette, so this podcast will basically be that interview in full. You'll get to hear everything that ends up on the cutting room floor, which is sometimes quite large chunks of the interview and some really good content. So this is my first time ever doing anything like this, so there'll no doubt be some tweaks as the week goes on. Because of the nature of print deadlines, the interviews may take place few weeks before publication, but we'll try and get those deadlines as tight as possible. The first guest that we have on, I'm absolutely delighted to say, is Kelly Bailey, absolute stalwart and legend of Glenthorne Football Club. We talk about everything from growing up in Cumber, how she got involved in football, how she got playing for Glenthorne, plus everything in between. Kelly is still smashing it, she's still scoring goals and she's still contributing in a big way. I do touch on it in the interview, but there is no doubt that Kelly is a Glenthorne legend. And that's despite the fact that she plays for the women's team. And legends of the club are usually considered to be men. She is possibly the first female player in North Ireland to get that sort of recognition. Now this interview took place just before their European games, so we didn't know the outcome of those exploits. But what we did know is they are smashed teams, scoring plenty of goals and not really conceding. That included a 9-0 victory over Liverpool. Now, since then, they have gone top of the table and they're also in two cup finals. So they're well on course to retaining all the trophies they currently hold. You'll hear that the podcast didn't have a title at the very start and was referred to as a working title. Well, it does now. I'm absolutely delighted to be able to introduce you to my first ever guest, the wonderful Kelly Bailey. Welcome to the first podcast, um, uh, working title, no name as of yet, but I'm really, really happy to welcome to the show our first ever guest, um, but it's it, the one and only Kelly Bailey. So welcome, Kelly, and thanks very much for, for coming on and very much being our guinea pig today. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah. So, Kelly, I'm going to get stuck in. Um, obviously, yes. when, when people talk about Glenthorn legends, they're, they're often talking about uh, players like Barney Bars and, uh, you know, Jim Cleary and, and Colin Nixon. But now your name is more creeping in more and more. Um, it's safe to say you've cemented your, your name amongst those club legends. And you're probably the first female player, certainly at Glenthorn, uh, maybe in the entire of Northern Ireland in a domestic game to do so. How does that resonate with you? How do you, how do you feel when you hear people talking about you as, as sort of a Glenthorn legend? Um, I think I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day because they were talking to me about it. And as I said, like it's hard to reflect back or even get that in my head because whenever I was growing up, all I wanted to do was play football. Um, and I think reality will hit just just how much and how lucky I've been over the 25 years and especially staying with Glen Torn. But it's obviously an honour and a privilege to be, you know, spoke about um, and linked with the club in such a way. It's it's definitely a privilege and it's probably one of my biggest achievements is what I've achieved with Glen Torn. 
I mean, you've been in the club for such a long time, but we'll, we'll touch on how it came about you playing football because we'll go right back to the start. I mean, how, how did you get involved in football? Because obviously, you know, you're a, you're a girl playing football mm-hmm. back, you know, in that era was probably unheard of. Um, they just started at a very young age. Did you play at a school? Was there, was there teams available even for girls at that age group? It's actually funny as well because I didn't actually, I wasn't associated with any girls team. I actually grew up in Cumber, so that's where I'm originally from. Um, and I was kicking the ball around with all the boys. It was always the lunchtime or during school and then straight after school. And that's all I did 24-7 was play with the boys um, that whole entire time. But obviously there was no teams back then, so I couldn't play on an official team. And as my friends started to then go to like the Cumber Rec and things and do that, um, it's all I ever wanted to do, but it was just by chance on the Saturday Night Live paper, I found an advertisement for Portadown ladies looking players, and it was too far away from me. So I'd rang and asked, have you any other numbers? And that's where it all began. Basically, they put me in touch with um, Belfast United at the time is what it was known. And I've been there ever since. So I was just blessed to play football, really. And so lucky that the opportunity presented itself because women's football was really unheard of where I came from then. Amazing. I mean, that's probably one of the first times and only times Portadown's ever helped out the Glens. So yeah. <laughs> you can sort of it's thank not. them for that. And uh, mm-hmm. when you were playing with with the boys in the street and stuff, did you did you? I mean, was there? Did you notice levels to the game? Did, did you keep up with them, or you know, because I don't know if any of them went on to make any sort of mark in football themselves. But did you see that you were you were on a par with them at the time? So did that sort of give you encouragement to, to go on have the career that you've had? Yeah, I think one of the things when I look back, it was just because I played, you know, they treated me like just one of the fellas. Uh, I didn't get any um, help or any sort of advantages from it. Um, And in fact, probably being female, obviously I excelled slightly earlier than maybe some of the males. So in fact, I probably got kicked around a wee bit um, for being slightly quicker at the time. But obviously that levels out after a number of years. But I mean, I was, they always treated me just as one of their own. So there was no, there was no, oh, there's a girl playing. It was full, full steam ahead, which I think has benefit, benefited me throughout my years of playing, to be honest. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Looking at now, I think you're you've said you're with the Glens 25 years, but this is maybe your 26th season, is it? Your 26th season or is it your 25th season? It's a 25th season. I was there just in the run up to that uh, 25th season. So 25 years ago, I started in the off season. So I right, had okay. a little bit of indoor um, pre almost five aside before we got into the full season. So this is my 25th full season. Okay. And you mentioned yeah. the club was, was originally called. Um, Belfast United or Glentoran Belfast United and um, whilst it was affiliated with the club um, from looking from the outside back then it was maybe a little bit more attached or detached sorry and um, so over the period that you've been at the club have you noticed that the women's team has sort of become more woven within the fabric of the club and what sort of changes have you seen in, in terms of that in terms of the women and becoming more um, sort of ingrained in Glentoran? I think it's when we started off Belfast United, there was we really there was no clubs affiliated with the men's team. So that's come over progress and over a number of years. Um, but since that's happened, it's happened for a number of clubs, obviously Crusaders, um, Linfield have started um, female um, team back then as well. And different things. Cliftonville used to be Newington and um, that has come along. And I think we every team you can see as the women's games, uh, games progressed. Um, at Glenthorne, I think I've been 
really, really good with us, um, supportive, and we get good support, like to call and jest. And, you know, there's a number of players, and Elliot Morris is currently helping train goalkeepers and stuff, and they're becoming more involved. And I think that's helped the strength. And it's good because it's definitely a community spirit. You know, we've spent nights where we won cup finals last year, where some of the senior men were involved, you know, afterwards just congratulating them as we spent time together. So I think it's only good for the women's game as well. And I think. Um, it's taken years, obviously, for that to grow, but I mean that's natural in any sport. Yeah, and I mean even even like myself, I of like I would keep up with uh, the Glenthorn under 11s if I could, like just just the way that I I love the club. But uh, um, the women's team is something that I've definitely been able to keep up more with in the last sort of four or five years, I think, uh, with the highlights and you're getting proper media coverage, and it's just it's and uh, the the wins that you get gives me a buzz now. Like it it when I seen you hammering them field a few weeks ago I thought this is absolutely brilliant like you know especially uh, in a post-pandemic sort of time when there's there's not been a lot to, to cheer about um and I think that's happening with a lot of people I think you're getting so much recognition now which is which is really really good it's great to see yeah I think the women's game in general like has done that you know and people are getting more involved and there's an interest there now and you know people are really getting um supportive of um the women's teams and things like that and you like people coming attending regularly so it's nothing but beneficial for um the teams and it's all also that community thing as i said like blenton has always been a community to me and you've always been welcomed and it's just it's a it's a great place to be around and do you think that because the the league was rebranded um a few years ago and it's now run by niffle whereas before i don't think it was isn't that right and and do you think that the sort of prestige of the league overall uh, it changed, improved and coincided with the rebranding? I think it's just development, isn't it? I think where we came from um, to where we were back then to where we are now, there's been improvements every year. And I think Niffle taking, you know, taking that on and the, the joining up of that has definitely helped. I mean, you're sitting under an umbrella now with the men's games and things like that. And I think that helps with promotion, obviously, as well. Um, when you're looking at it and promoting the women's game, um, that you're starting to see um, more recently that women's teams are actually f- featuring on men's pages now. So it's like one club rather than females and you know the men on a separate Facebook page. It's all starting to incorporate into one, which is just great for everybody, I think. And you're, you're getting crowds now too. Like the Irish Cup, obviously last year was a bit different with the pandemic, but I mean, you had that Irish Cup win a couple of years ago and there was larger numbers of Windsor Park than we got for a lot of men's RC games. Um, there was a proper atmosphere, proper crowd. The celebrations afterward looked insane. Um, even back in the Glenthorne Premier Lounge. I mean, how, how did that feel? Was that was that special? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it was probably one of the, the biggest nights um, because of the atmosphere and we were playing there and the crowd did attend it and everybody was fully and fully focused and fully like supportive of both teams you know and it just created a, an amazing atmosphere and I think um, for some players at the end maybe hadn't even seen that you know we're, we were very lucky that night and I think the celebrations after obviously the way we won it the dramatic ending and the you know the two late goals from Michaela just it was just almost a perfect night well for us anyway but um, I think when you see that crowd and that atmosphere it just it reaps wonders for the women's game and I think it just promotes it so well. Oh, absolutely. No, it was fantastic. It was good to see there was proper coverage and BBC and stuff honed in on it. It was just, it was, it was super. And I mean, you're talking about the improvement of the women's game uh, domestically. Now you have um, represented your country 
many, many times. Um, and I'm sure you've seen the improvement yeah. at the international level. I mean, next year, Northern Ireland qualifying for a major tournament is just absolutely amazing. Um, especially since it looks like we're coming out of the pandemic, there's going to be able to fan, fans are going to be able to go. I have no doubt that people from Northern Ireland will, will travel over in their droves to watch this. And do you think that there's uh, the league improving as a whole has sort of had that knock on effect and that's why the international games improving? I think it's a collective of everything, really. I mean, this is relatively probably a short period of time for this to happen, even though it seems like it's extensively long. But I mean, there was no international setup up to, you know, 2000, whenever I was playing and stuff, we were going maybe playing the Republic of Ireland once a, once a year or something. It, there was no um, team there. And then Alfie obviously came in and he built that, went to the Algarve, and it's been preparation from there and just hard work and graft and I have to say that the girls that have been involved along the way like Julie Nelson and Ashley Hutton who have come in and obviously I wasn't lucky enough to stay around um, for that long but um, I'm just delighted for all of them because they have been the ones Rachel Furness, Sarah McFadden that have been slogging away year after year and I think it's testament to the hard work that's went for the number of years and even the hard work before us because we keep forgetting that there was people coming before us that passed away for us to be able to even play there so fully deserved in my my opinion and do you exciting. think yeah that is very exciting it's, it's amazing and, and you're hearing a lot more even on other podcasts there's a lot more um women footballers and things coming on it's giving you more of an insight into the women's game and the international setup and more girls are certain certainly starting to play football which is great to see um there's more girls teams or there's or there's mixed gender teams you know and do you think that that is also one of the sort of factors in in the improvement of, of football especially in Northern Ireland women's football and um, because people are getting involved now as young ages um, definitely yeah I mean sorry froze there for oh, a minute <laughs> um no I think definitely um the more people that get involved and I think the more we the more we more we promote the game and things um I think definitely anything that involves you know bringing bringing players together and giving them those grassroots and allowing them to play and even going along and seeing games and seeing the atmosphere, you know, it gives everybody that I want to be that person. I want to play there for anybody that loves football or loves the sport. You know, you want to be able to aim for things. And I think now young girls coming through the world at their feet um, and they can see now that there's a Euros happening. Um, players are going to go and they're going to be sitting saying, I, I want to do that. No, absolutely. I agree. I think it's um, it is brilliant to see. And you, you see girls out in the street now with football and, you wouldn't blink an eyelid, whereas you know, there was a stigma maybe around girls playing football. You know, I mean, that's a boys' sport like many years ago, but you don't really get that now. And it is, it's, it's brilliant to see. It's great. Um, and if, I don't have any kids right now, but I think if I have a daughter, I'll be pushing her into playing football or certainly going, I'll be taking her to the games matches with me because, yeah. I mean, I've met so many of my friends who hear, hear girls through um the glance through watching football. So mm-hmm. there, was no, there was no stigma with me. And it's great to see that sort of. Um, developing now at all age groups um, moving more on the the here and now so obviously we're coming off the back of a really difficult year in terms of the pandemic how, how did you cope with the the pandemic there was a wee bit of a gap between um sort of the season ending last year and then the new season starting if I think I think that's right um so yeah. how did you how did you keep fit and motivated and do you think it had any sort of impact when you then started to return to play um to be honest, um, we were quite good, and I know a lot of clubs were to use Zoom and things like that to their advantage and keep the team together. 
Um, it really was, you were training, but you were training in the hope that something was going to happen. But I think everybody had that, you know, hopefully we get something. And I think it was just keep going until we got the official word. And for, for a split second, I was actually doubting, was this where we're going to get a league? You know, was anything going to happen? But we kept the gallery group and we trained and we, we kept moving forward in the hope that, that that would take place. And eventually it did. So it, it has been a hard year and it's been hard on everybody, I think. But I think football took a backseat for a little minute, rightly so. But at the same time, football for a lot of people was what was keeping people going and giving somebody a focus. So, so I, th I think in some respects, it maybe benefited me in certain ways because training, I, I put all my effort into training. That's what I did. You know, you go to work, you come home, you train because you couldn't do anything else. So I think when we got that season, everybody was just that delighted to play some part that it was just a, it's a really a good thing for coming off the back of a year that was extremely difficult for many people. And then obviously the reward is you ended up with the season that you did have. And, you know, you're, you're, you were absolutely flying. Um, you are now reigning champions of, of the league. Like, how did that feel? How did getting, getting over that line feel? Did it feel like just, you know, you, did, you deserved it. You worked so hard for it. You got there. You went a number of years without a title. And then mm -hmm. boom, there you go off the back of a pandemic. Great. Yeah, I mean, if if you had looked for at least pluses out of the year and, you know, that that feeling of, my goodness, this year hasn't been, you know, completely wasted or you, that, that just feeling off another title, especially because we had last, you know, a few years and we weren't sure. And we knew we had the squad and we knew we were driving and training and then we were thought that's going to be taken away. We're not going to get the opportunity to do anything this year. But to have a shorter league, okay, but we still had to go out and win games. And I think when you look at the team as a whole, and I was involved, obviously, in it, that the spirit around the team was just immense. You know, everybody wanted to work for one another. And if we'd one goal, it was we're blessed and lucky to play football this year. So we'll give it our best. And at the end of the year, obviously, things ended up as we hoped and would secure that title. So obviously, a brilliant end to a year that was extremely difficult. And I, I don't think that the shorter um, league really was as, you know, means that we just weren't deserving it. If anything, that was maybe more difficult because if you slipped up, there was, there was absolutely, it was, there was very little room for error. You just, you just had to just go full steam ahead and be relentless. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah, no, it was very much, you know, like, as you say, some people would say it's a shorter season, but you're quite right. Um, our league used to be very short. So you like one point could have been the difference. Um, so we knew that if we were going to do it, it had to be almost a perfect season. Um, and it was difficult. But, I mean, considering we were working along with what was currently the world in a pandemic and everything else that was going against us in certain ways, we stuck together as a, as a team. And I think the effort and the dedication the guards showed is what brought us through it. Um, we knew we were more than capable. But as you say, that shorter season, there was no room for hours. So everybody was concentrated for the full entire time, which is a credit to every single player that was involved last year. And then moving into this season. Um, so obviously, start of the season, there was a few drop points. Uh, maybe it wasn't the st start that you, you just hoped for. Uh, Cliftonville started to build up a bit of a lead, but I mean, talk about strength and character. Um, lately, the team has been absolutely phenomenal. You've been blowing teams out of the water. You've been scoring goals for fun. You haven't been conceding, and you've hammered Linfield 9-0, which is unbelievable. Like, how how do you evaluate the season so far? How, how do you how do you? I mean, it's maybe difficult to take a step back at this stage, but how happy are you with it? 
Um, I think we're we're delighted. Obviously, we're frustrated with ourselves. We know, you know, what we're capable of. We know the standard that we set ourselves, and but we were under no illusions that it was going to be difficult, and we we're going to have maybe bumps along the way, and things weren't going to go our way. But I have to say, the testament to the girls is that we knew that was possibility, and it's how we reacted to it. And I think the reaction from everybody has been, you know, we get our heads down and we we'll work hard, and we we'll just take one game at a time, three points, and at the end of the season, we hope to be where we should be or where we're looking to be, which is top of the league. Clifton and Phil have set, obviously, a precedent to start. Um, we slipped up, but hopefully we've dragged a few of those points back and all we can do is take care of our games now and hope for the best. But the consistency and stuff over the last few weeks and how the how the team has been and the mood around the, around the team has just been absolutely fantastic. And I think if we can keep maintaining that, then we'll be at a good place by the end of the season. And... Um- I mean, when, every time I look at uh, the caliber of player, you know, the, when the Glen Home women are signing players now, the caliber of player they're signing is is incredible. It's some of the new signings that came from full time football in England and Scotland. And can you notice the difference that those girls are sort of having on the squad? Do they force everyone to raise their level to an, another level? Um, do they, do they bring the sort of experience they get from the full time game to back the to the team? Yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, Lauren Wade had an experience. She had went um, from Glenthorne, actually, at the time she was playing before she went across the water. So, but to bring that kind of um, work ethic and stuff back, and obviously she's improved as a player um, playing there. And then we've got Chloe McCarn. We always knew the quality Chloe had. Um, so when she's come into the team, as I said, both of them have just kind of slipped back in there. Well, Lauren slipped back into the team like she's never been away. And Chloe's been there as if she's been there for years. So... And like Lauren and Chloe and some of them, they all play together at international level, so they know each other well. Um, so it's it's been good for the club. It's been good for us. Um, and I think the, the fact that those players want to come back and they want to play then speaks volumes for what, what the team's producing and how it's set up. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned about the girls playing together at international level. And I was speaking to someone yesterday and we were talking about the Euro, Euros next year. And... and um about like the impact it would have maybe on the league season. And someone said like, you need to understand that Northern Ireland are Glenthorne, <laughs> you know, because they've got that many international players now. Um, yeah, there, there is a pool and I always looked at it, you know, they were always, in my opinion, people are club players first and off the back of that, then they, they get that um, ability to go and play for their country. And I think, that's stood them in good stead because we've now got a collection of international players that are going away and playing together, um, along with obviously a number from other clubs as well. So we're lucky to have the number that we have involved in the Northern Ireland team. And I think that does, I mean, it has to benefit teams when you have that pool of players there because of the intensity and stuff. So um, when they come back into the team, obviously they do, they, they push everybody and they keep those levels high, but Glen Thorne, we've always been, you know, hard work comes first and then, talent will take us the rest of the way so hopefully we can keep doing that for the near future and I was, and I was thinking myself uh, a couple of months ago so obviously North Island qualified for the Euros their women's team been getting a lot of products um, and then all of a sudden the the Team GB Olympics teams announced and there's there's not a single North Island player about the place um, for, for the women's football I mean was that disappointing I mean obviously you're not involved as, as a player the setup and stuff but you you're involved with the players who play for North Ireland I mean was there a disappointment was there another disappointment about there I, I think probably for most people like myself there was a disappointment 
but there was also it wasn't a surprise in certain ways because any GB teams before this, I think Emma Higgins was on a reserve list, I think a number of years ago, but it's, it's not been a familiar thing that's happened, but I thought off the back of this year, maybe there would have been the odd you know player that would have maybe earned a right to be there. But I guess the manager's prerogative is that they get to choose. Um, and obviously they didn't fit the system or they didn't think they were good enough. I don't know, but I think off the back, what they do is they concentrate next year and they stay together and they, they focused on Northern Ireland and that's all you can really do. Um, disappointing that nobody's involved, but at the same time, those girls will just be focused now on what's coming ahead of them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And bringing it back to sort of Glen Horn. So in a couple of weeks, um, not many people are maybe getting foreign countries this year, but the Glen Horn women's team are. Um, so, I mean, you're, You've played your fair share of European games, it's fair to say. Um, have you kick your European venture off in a couple of weeks here? And how do you prepare for those games? And what do you think is the realistic target? I mean, is it you just go out and give it your best shot, or is progression becoming a sort of real target now? Is it is it becoming a reality? Um, I think we leave on Tuesday here actually, and we play on the Wednesday is the first game. So I think from our previous experiences. Um, we had seen progression when we were consistently going to Europe and we've won back-to-back titles. We could almost see progression in ourselves. Um, we haven't been there for obviously a number of years because we haven't won that title. But I think um, each year when teams go, there, there has to be that improvement. And I think there has been. The unfortunate thing is we're going in off the back of COVID. You know, we're going in in, the good, in good shape, in my opinion. And I think we can give it our all and hopefully get a result. We have to go in with that mentality. But it will be a hard task. We're under no illusions with that. But hopefully we can put something together and make everybody back home proud and we'll see where we'll go from there. But Wednesday will be, everybody will be up for it. And I think it will be a matter of we're hoping to get a result. Brilliant. That would be great. It'd be, it would be absolutely outstanding if he's, he's came home with a result like. And, you know, we've got the support back home from everyone, 100%. And um, But targets for the season as a whole. So... Obviously, um, things have started to go really well. Um, user scoring plenty, and as I said earlier, not really conceding anymore. Um, so what what are you what are your goals for the season? Is it simply just to retain a title? Do you have to aim higher than that? Because uh, you can't really rest in your laurels. Um, what what would what would you say would be your 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 aims for this season? Just by the way things have fallen, um, we obviously hold the three cup competitions as well, and I think. I know people would say unrealistically, can you do, you know, can you keep all four? I think yeah. what we'll do is go in with the expectation that we want to keep all four. You can't win with another attitude. You have to go that they're, you know, we have them at the minute. We're not going to let go. And if, if anything does not go our way, then we're not going to give up easy. Um, I think the key is that each game has to be treated just as one game. We can't, we can't look too far ahead and say, oh, if we get here by six games time, then we focus on a cup game. I think it's just what comes next. Um, we put out the team and we do the same thing as we've been doing the last couple of weeks because that's what's been working, you know, one game at a time and hopefully by the end of it we'll have something to show for it. Yeah, and that was that was going to be my next my next sort of question was about the, the four cups, just hold the four cups and is it an extra motivation that Louis won the four cups last time out, like you can go one better this time by winning the, all four trophies with fans there, like, you know, with a bit of atmosphere. You can relive that brilliant night at Windsor a couple of years ago, like that's bound to be a, a massive, massive card at the end of the stick. Yeah, of course. And I mean, any footballer that goes in and says we only want one trophy out of four or whatever it is, is 
they're they're telling lies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously you might have a a top one and maybe a nice Priorities, to have. Yeah. But I think yeah. I mean, we just go in with football attitude of every game's as important as the next. Um, and we want to win. We don't want to say one's more important than the other. What we want to do is say every game um, we give a hundred percent, and hopefully then by the end of it we'll have at least one or more um, to show for it. But ideally we want to keep what we have. Um, it'll be extremely difficult, um, and teams will be extremely difficult to bowl over on the way doing that. But I mean, as a as a team, we have to want to win everything. Um, it's just the way it's just the way we're designed, I suppose. Yeah, and I mean, looking looking from afar, so I mean, I wouldn't say that I was an absolute expert in women's football. I'm no Colin Jess. I'm no even David Kerr, who's been giving his great promotion and he he's been yeah. watching a lot of games. Um, but looking from the outside in, it, it certainly looks like this is probably the best Glentorn women's team ever. Um, looking at the quality of players, standard of players, the trophies are winning, the goals are scoring. Would you agree? You're, you're probably the best person in the world to answer this question because. I mean, you've been around for so long around the club. So would you say that this is the, the best team? Yeah, of course. The football and stuff that we're playing this year and the way we've gone about it, it's definitely probably the best team that I've played in. I've played in some really brilliant teams. Um, when we won their first league title and even the very first time we won a treble, um, you know, we played with players with heart and desire and it was just, but the football's progressed from there, you know, so it would be remiss of me to say, oh, I've played in better teams, you know, Hard work and determination has always been a Glentorn thing. Um, and I can't say that's been consistently good, but now we're seeing that collective brand of football move on and that's to do with the development of the game as well. So to say that the group of players that I'm playing with at the minute, um, I would have to say is probably the best Glentorn team that I've played in. And speak, moving on to sort of you personally and your, your personal goals. So it's, I mean, it's no secret yeah. that you've, you've just turned 41 which and you're still playing at the top level of Northern Irish football. It's absolutely incredible. Every everyone you speak to thinks it's incredible. You're still out there starting games, scoring goals. The goal against Cliftonville was a, a really lovely finish. So you're still doing it out in the pitch. Um. So what? Well, I mean, what for you now? Is there any retirement plans, or do you, would you miss it too much? Would you? Do you think you'll just keep going? To be honest, the last couple of years, I think I've been saying, you know, one more day. I really want to keep going on the desires to play I want to play I think if I keep myself fit um, and I can play then the attitude is I'll keep playing because I think what I've learned probably the reality hit last year whenever I thought could this be my last season and then COVID nearly took it away um, so when but the way I'm thinking now is I'll assess you know bit by bit as a go um, and see see where it takes from there. If it's something to contribute contribute to the team, and obviously that will take um, talking to coaches um, maybe at the end of the season to see where I am or see if my fitness. But I think while I've still got a contribution to make, I think I'm just going to take take life as it comes and see where that goes from there. Because at the end of the day, I'm just extremely lucky to play, and I've been lucky with not to probably suffer injuries as such. On Touchwood, that doesn't put a scot on me now, but. <laughs> Um, I've been I've been very lucky that way, and I think if I still love playing football and I, I still can, then people are saying, "Why would you give it up?" Well, this is exactly it. And footballers always talk about how you have to listen to your body and listen to what your body says, and you don't seem to have any issues with that whatsoever. Um, you know, you're you're injury free. Um, you don't seem to even be playing lethargically. Um, you're 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 still giving it full pelt. So, I don't see a reason why. 
Um, why you wouldn't get? Why would you give up something you love so much when yeah. you're still you're still playing at, at this level? You know. Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's just you know there will come a point where um, it's not practical anymore or I can't do it. So I think most people are saying to me, you know, while you can still play, don't quit. While you can still play, you'll regret it in the long run. And I'm thinking, you know what, those those people are probably right because there are people that have maybe done that and regretted it after. So if I, if I'm lucky enough, I'll finish the season out in good health, and then I'll reassess for next year if there is going to be a next year for me. And when that day eventually comes, the sad day when the Glentorn legend Kelly Bailey does decide to hang up her boots, do you think that you will go into coaching or management or what does the future hold for you? Um, to be honest, some people ask me that question. And to be honest, I just don't know the answer to it yet. I keep saying I can't, I don't think too far ahead, you know, when I finish playing, what would I like to do? Um, I think what will happen is once I finish playing, I'll take a break and just see, you know, naturally where, where that role takes me. I would like to stay involved with the club in some capacity. Um, I just don't know what that role will be, um, but I definitely want to stay around and obviously contribute in different ways should, should I, I be lucky enough to do that. And the people always talk like, uh, talk to Jimmy, you listen to Jimmy Carger or whatever. He talks about how everyone thought he was going into management. Uh, what sort of, would you say that people would say that about you? Are you, are you a vocal player on the pitch in the changing room or are you, are you a shouter or are you more of a, a motivator? No, I think if I was to assess myself, I'd probably say I'm level-headed, kind of encouraging. Um, I will talk on the pitch. I'll try and communicate communication um, best I can, help teammates out. But um, I just don't know whenever I do stop playing what role that will take. Um, I like the tactical side of the game, um, but I guess it could be coaching, to be honest. It could be in a different capacity. I guess I'll know that when I finish playing what role that's, that, that's going to look like, but just definitely want to stay involved. Yeah, and no, I would say that when you do hang up the boots, it would be a crying shame if, if you weren't involved with Glenthorn Football Club in some way, shape or form. Um, you yeah. know, you're, you've been about for so long now that I don't think the club would ever just let you sort of sail off into the sunset without some sort yeah. of role. So, so fingers crossed. Maybe get to carry the water or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's maybe something that higher... Higher yeah. standard, maybe name a stand in the new stadium after you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Kelly Billy Sydney man. <laughs> so look, that literally brings us to the end of um, this first ever podcast. Kelly, you've been an amazing guest. It's been a privilege to speak to you. It really has. Um, you just an insight into this um, this brilliant career, this fantastic career. You're, one thing I'll say is you're a, a real role model for every single young girl wanting to play football um you know you played football in an era when maybe there was that stigma about and you just kept going and look at the career you've had it's fantastic you're so well decorated and here's to adding another four trophies this season hopefully so that would that would be the icing on the cake wouldn't it but (laughs) yeah we'll see where we'll go that's it